Connection Unpacked, where we discuss the pull of the past every week. I'm your host, Allison Treat. I'm an author of historical fiction and a freelance editor. Welcome to my show. Hello, readers. This is episode 19 of Historical Fiction Unpacked. I'm so glad you guys are here listening today. I am sharing a conversation I had with Anne H. Gabhart. Anne has been publishing books since 1978, so she had so much to share with us. Her latest book, Along a Storied Trail, just released on June 1st. And it's so interesting. It's about the packhorse librarians that operated in the Appalachian Mountains. As a Northerner, I have to say it, Appalachian. I'm sorry to you Southerners who say Appalachia or Appalachian Mountains. Um, I just can't do it. I can't, I can't make the switch. So the Packhorse librarians operated in the Appalachian Mountains in Kentucky during, um, during the Great Depression, and Anne shares a lot about what that was and what was going on at the time and what happens in her book. Um, she talks about some of her characters and her writing and research process, of course. So it's a really interesting conversation, and I hope that you guys enjoy it. So here's my conversation with Anne H. Gabhart. Anne, I'm so glad you could join me on the show today. I'm glad to be here. I always enjoy talking about writing and uh, books and that's a fun topic for me. Yeah, your novel, Along a Story Trail, releases June 1st. Can you tell me about this book? Well, I like to write books uh, set in Kentucky. I've had uh, most of my books have a Kentucky setting. Uh, this one is, I think, my 35th published book. And they've all been Kentucky settings, but not all in the Appalachian Mountains. I have had this is my third book uh, to be set in the Appalachian Mountains during the Depression era. And this one is about the pack horse librarians. Uh, I had written the first two, These Healing Hills and, and Appalachian Summer, about the uh, Frontier Nursing Service set it in, and set it in Leslie County in, in Kentucky. And after some of my readers had uh, read those books, they sent me information about the pack horse librarians and said, you ought to write a book about this. And, and so I started researching about the uh, pack horse librarians and found it fascinating history. So I decided to write a book and, and have my heroine be a pack horse librarian. That was a program that was started during the Great Depression in the mid-1930s. It's a way to put women to work. They had a lot of work uh, projects for men. They had some for women too, but they thought librarian would be a good, a good women's job that they could uh, help the people to get books that maybe weren't, hadn't ever had library services. And so I decided to drop my characters down in Owsley County in Kentucky and let my main character be a pack horse librarian and, and then also uh, featured the people that were influenced and uh, delighted to get her books when she wrote her horse up into the mountains to deliver those books, like a library bookmobile only on horseback. Yes, I had never heard of this profession before, so I was so intrigued by this. Is this part, was this part of the um, Works Progress Administration, or was this a separate kind of thing? No, it was part of the uh, WPA, the Work Projects uh, Administration, Actually, it was an idea, I think, that was pushed by uh, Eleanor Roosevelt and started, in a way, to help 
people get those books that they needed to read. I just uh, did a blog about it last night about the Pack Horse Librarians on my uh, blog, One Writer's Journal, which is on my website. Uh, and I discovered, which I hadn't noticed before, that they they had these in, in other states, too. And in Louisiana, they delivered books uh, by flatboat on the bayous. So that was sort of interesting. But in eastern Kentucky, they didn't have roads that they could drive up because they hadn't built roads yet. And the roads that they had were usually dirt or a lot of times they used creeks for their roads. They just drove up the creek. And most people were going by horseback still at that time or by foot. So the way they, the only way they were going to be able to get the books up to the people were by horse or mule. And so they usually had, uh, according to how big the county was, they hired four, five, six women from that area that, that perhaps without the job might have had to be on government assistance. And this was a way to help them make money so that they wouldn't have to be on government assistance and could make their own money. And some of these people in, in these counties had never had a library services before. So it took a little getting used to having people show up at their door with books because, of course, people didn't have telephones and all the ways we have to contact each other these days. But they got so they really looked forward to seeing the uh, bookwoman come. And they usually came every two weeks. Mm. They made a route. And so you gave the books out, and then two weeks later they came around to pick the book up and maybe give you a new book or a different book at any rate. The government paid the librarians, but they didn't supply books. Uh, The community had to come up with books themselves, and they had all sorts of ways of, of getting donated books. Some of the city libraries, books that they were ready to get rid of because they were in such bad shape, they sent them down to the Pack Horse Libraries, and those librarians would tape them back together and fix them as best they could to be able to take them out. They got donations from every mm. state in the in the country. Uh, a PTA lady uh, that was the head of the PTAs started a PTA program where people donated pennies in order to buy books for the new books for the uh, Pack Horse Libraries. So it, it was a really uh, great program for the for the area. Uh, they did stop it when the war started and people were no longer unemployed. And unfortunately, most of the counties didn't have the money to continue uh, library services. They tried to uh, keep the library going, but at that time that wasn't possible. But most of them nowadays have libraries, so that's good. Yes, yes, that's great. It's so interesting to me because I didn't know anything about this before. Um, so you also introduce in your book a character who comes to the mountains as part of the WPA Writers Project. But I did not know that they provided writing jobs. Can you explain how that worked? Well, I didn't know that either until I did my research and I came across that and I said, wow, I didn't didn't realize they did that. But they actually had uh, uh, projects for writers, artists, architects, you know, different kinds of uh, art activities. Uh, so I thought mm. that was really interesting. Now, the writers came around, and they were they were supposed to be doing guides. Uh, 
guides to the community so that uh, like a tourist came to your area, you would have this guide in order to tell you the right. interesting things in the area. And uh, they would write these out or, or report on them. And then they sent them into a central location in the state and the state then put them together. I actually have the guidebook that uh, was put together in Kentucky. That's where I live. Uh, but it wasn't mm-hmm. done until I think after the war. They don't think they ever got it put together until actually later. But in it, you can look up each county and it'll have something about the county and something about uh, maybe some special part in Owsley County. Uh, one of their special things was that Daniel Boone actually camped there when he was exploring Kentucky and and carved his initials on a rock. So hmm. that was uh, probably their claim to fame at the time. Right. That's cool. You talked about how you've written a couple other books set in the Depression era in eastern Kentucky. Um, is this is that the area that you have lived or is are you from a different part of Kentucky? I actually live more in the central part of Kentucky, uh, just on the edge of what is called the bluegrass country where they have the horse farms. Uh, in our county, we mm-hmm. don't, we have a couple of uh, standard bred horse farms, but we don't, most of the farmers in our area raise cattle. Uh, so, but I've grew up on a farm. I have that uh, love of the land that the mountain people have. Uh, my roots go deep and their roots in the mountains went deep. And so I think I could identify with the mountain people in that way that we have that love of the land and place and we, we love our home areas. So I, I really enjoyed uh, getting to know the mountain people in my research and, uh, their unique expressions sometimes and in their unique ways. But I think because of I am a country girl that I was able to identify with them well enough to write a good novel, I hope, about the mountain area. Yes. Um, if it's okay with you, well, first of all, I want to say that the, the cover of this book is beautiful. And I also, I love the first few lines. And if it's okay with you, I'd like to read them. That's fine. Okay, it says, everybody thought Tansy Calhoun was heartbroken after Jeremy Simpson threw her over for Jolene Hoskins, or that she should be. She had to admit her pride was bruised, but the whole thing was simply a shin bump in life. So that is just such a great beginning, and it sucks the reader right into the story. Um, So I just, I wanted to share that little bit of the book with our listeners, and I also... Um, I wanted to know more about your research and your writing process. Well, I've been writing a long time. Uh, My first book was actually published in 1978 in the general market. My first uh, Christian inspirational novel was published in 2005. And it's really Mm. been a good, good market for me because uh, in my, I, I went through a time when, when my other books weren't selling because they said they were too clean. So coming mm-hmm. over to the Christian market where I could, I could be clean and people appreciate clean, uh, it, it was right. a good fit for me. Uh, I also enjoy uh, including a faith journey of the characters when that's appropriate. And I think mm-hmm. faith is a big part of, uh, of a person's life, and I liked being able to do that. 
I uh, usually come up with an idea, like I will think of, in this case, it was the history that was the beginning of my idea, the history about the Pack Horse Library. Sometimes it's a character, sometimes it's a setting. Uh, I've written a lot of different books, so I've had a lot of different ways to begin. Sometimes I begin with a what-if page, like in my first inspirational book, it was what if I have a young girl whose father is a preacher and newspaper editor and whose mother deserted her when she was five. So that was my initial idea. And then, of course, I embellished on that. I'm pretty much what they call a seat-of-the-pants writer. I get my idea and I get my characters gathered together and and then I just sort of put my fingers on my keyboard and and hope a story comes. And so far, it has. Uh, I always wonder if the next one will, but so far I've been able to get that story told. And and sometimes a lot of people like to read them. That's always good. Uh, I do a lot of uh, rewriting or or cleaning up. I, I I usually don't have to do major rewriting, but there's always places where you need to get rid of those extra words that you didn't really need because sometimes you have to tell yourself two or three times, but you don't necessarily have to tell the reader two or three times. And so you have to cut a little of that out. Right. So that's it's, it's a project. Uh, you know, I liked researching. Uh, when I first was told that I should try a historical novel, I said, well, I don't particularly like history. But I was young at the time, and I was remembering high school history. History is a lot different when you can pick what you want to read about history instead of what they tell you to read. (laughs) So whenever I found a subject I liked, it was fun to read history, and so I still enjoy that. Yes, um, I love that. Do you do your research as you're writing, or do you do your bulk of research at the beginning? Well, I I do the initial... uh, historical research because I need to get my setting down and my era. I have to decide, you know, the year. Uh, I have to sort of look at what what people would be doing at that time, what history might be at that time. I've written a number of books where there is uh, war scenes, and so I would have to have those worked into my timeline. Uh, this was not that way because it was during the Depression era. But I like to read some books about whatever I'm researching, and reading those books sort of puts me in the area and in the time uh, frame. I enjoy it when I can find mm-hmm. a, uh, a diary or a journal from that time, even though it, the history might not be totally accurate because it would be uh, colored by that person's uh, thoughts themselves, but it can put you into right. the area to so that you know how people were thinking at the time, even if I don't use that particular uh, type of character or whatever, it can be helpful just to make me, put me back at that time so that when I'm writing, I'll be able to, to stay true to the time, or at least hope, hopefully I can. With the mountain stories, uh, I did read about uh, different uh, mountain lingo. I had a book that just talked about had totally uh, how mountaineers say things, and so that was uh, helped me. Hopefully, make the dialect and the conversation right. Uh, 
I do have a an other another character that's also sort of a major character, an older lady who's in her sixties called Perdita Sweet, and she's a contrario mm. mountaineer lady, and uh, never has gotten married. It's a little bit hard to get along with, and uh, I really enjoyed writing her story. So I I don't know what that tells me about, it, but it was fun writing about a contrario lady. <laughs> I don't think it says anything about you. Um, is she your favorite character in the book, or did you have others that you liked a lot too? Well, she was my easiest character to write. Uh, whenever I came to mm. a chapter with her viewpoint, the words just really zoomed out. But uh, sometimes the other characters were a little harder to to uh, get those words down. But when Perdita came on scene, I was ready because she – she was such a character that I was able to really jump into her skin and uh, tell her story. But I liked Tansy, too. Tansy had a lot of courage and a lot of uh, moxie to ride her horse up into the up those steep trails and through the snow. And they went in all kinds of weather. The weather didn't mm-hmm. stop the bookhouse, book women. Uh, I liked Caleb, too, wow. which is the male the male character, and he was such a good guy that I enjoyed writing about him, too. And they were the three uh, viewpoint characters, but I sprinkled in some other good characters, too. So they were all sort of fun to get to know. Yeah, it's it's so um, it's so interesting. There's so much packed into this book, I think. And what I wanted to ask, what do you hope readers will take away from this book? Well, people ask me that a lot, uh, First of all, I want them to be glad they picked up my book. I want it to have entertained them. I want it to be a story that they enjoyed reading. I want them to be happy when they get to the end of the book, that it was a an ending with hope. Uh, I don't like to read books that have bad endings. Uh, just mm-hmm. It really bothers me to get a, attached to a character, and then at the end of the book, there's no hope, and I just don't like that. So I usually like to end my books well, and hopefully the uh, readers will enjoy that. It's good if they can uh, get a faith message out of the book, too, or if they can uh, sometimes learn more about history. Like, I'm sure a lot of people will be finding out more about the Pack Horse librarians in this. And when I was writing about the frontier nurses, those were nurse midwives that went, rode their horses up into the mountains to the cabins to deliver babies. I think a lot of people found out about that history, and it uh, made them more interested in, in sometimes I get a message that, well, you know, I read your book, and then I had to go look up the history to see if it was, see more about it. And So I think that's a good thing when they, it gets your interest up enough that you're willing to go out there and, and look for more about this or that subject. Yes, Absolutely. Um, I, I, that happens to me all the time when I'm reading historical fiction. I want to find out more about what actually happened. So I wonder if you could tell me about your writing career a little bit. I know it's been a long and successful one. How did you get started in the beginning? Well, when I was a little girl, I uh, liked to read Hardy Boy mystery books. Well, I like to read any book, to be honest, because I loved books. But I thought, you know, it'd be really fun to be a like a hardy boy and solve a mystery. I never wanted to be a boy. I wanted to be a hardy girl. Mm. So when I was about 10 years old, I got a wire-bound notebook and an ink pen, and I started writing my own mystery because uh, 
there wasn't much chance I was going to come across any mysteries on my little farm where I was growing up. It's I had a lot of fun with it. It starred me as a much cuter, much smarter, and a much less shy me. But still, it was me, and so it was fun to write uh, a better me in this book of Solving Mysteries. I got my character stuck in a cave and got a little older, and I never finished it. I never did get them stuck out of that cave. So I started writing teenage stories when I was a teen and, and just, you know, crazy things that a teen girl might write at that time. I got married young. I never lost my dream, though, to, to actually write something that other people want to read. So I kept writing and uh, took a correspondence course. And the last last lesson in the course was to write an outline of a novel. Well, I hate writing outlines. I've always hated writing outlines. So I wrote the novel instead mm-hmm. and found out that that's the kind of writing I really enjoyed doing. I liked being able to stay with the characters through, I don't know, months, because it takes a while to write a book. And so from that time on, I've written mostly, uh, well, I've written novels. I do uh, short writing now on my blog, but other than that, I don't do much short writing. I just do those long novels. And I sold my first book and was published in 1978. It was a historical romance published by Warner Books. I had another book published on Warner mm-hmm. Books, and then I sort of fell off the wagon. And uh, as I said, the editors said my at that that was during the time when uh, some of the books were called Bodice Rippers. I don't know; you're probably too young to remember that. But historical romance no, I've was heard pretty that, steamy. Yeah. They was pretty steamy, and my books just weren't quite steamy enough uh, for the market. And so I decided, well, I'll write some books for young adults. And so I published 11 books for young adults. Again, sort of fell off the wagon on that one uh, and wasn't able to sell any more of those books. So I went for about, I don't know how many years, several years when I was working part-time as secretarial work and still writing. But I went a ways without being able to sell anything I wrote. So I decided I would just write a book that I wanted to write and not worry about market or editors or anybody else reading it. I would just write Mm. this book I wanted to write about. They tell you to write what you know. So I wrote it about that girl and her preacher dad growing up in a small town like my little small town I live near, and being part of a country church like my little country church that I still attend. My dad was certainly not a preacher. And my mom was the greatest mom in the world. She certainly didn't uh, desert me when I was five. But I was able to sort of use my uh, background in the setting and uh, came up with uh, Scent of Lilacs. And it went off and found an editor whose favorite flower was lilacs. And she read the book and uh, started me on the journey in the Christian fiction. And I've been... I think this is the 20th book or the 21st book I've published with Revell Books. Wow. So that's it's been a good match. It's been a good match for me. Yeah, that's wonderful. I have heard so many people, we try as writers to kind of fit, fit into the market sometimes, but that oh, so many times it just saps the joy out of the creative process. So we really do need to write what we love and if we can find a market for it. That's great. 
And some, I mean, God knows what's coming up in the market. So I think he inspires with us with what will work out in the future for us. Well, I'm not sure uh, how, how to think about that for all the time, but the trouble with a writer trying to guess the market is it usually takes you a while to write the book, and then it takes a while for the book to mm-hmm. be published. And so by the time it comes out, you know, you, the trend may have completely changed. Right. Uh, I decided when I was doing those writing at the end there, and I've written in a lot of different genres in in, in the Christian market, that I just write the story that I wanted to write and, and not really uh, necessarily get stuck in one place. Uh, I have written a lot of books about the Shakers. I think I've written eight books about the Shakers, and I never really intended mm-hmm. to write but one book about Shaker history. But that it, it was published during, uh, or still is, I guess, the uh, Amish interest. And although Shakers are not Amish, and they're a lot different than the Amish, the girls uh, mm-hmm. or the women wore, wore bonnets, and so when that, first book that I wrote about the Shakers went out to stores and had had the girl with a bonnet on it. Uh, a lot of people that liked Amish books would pick mine up and, and give it a read. And so my editor asked me to read, to write more Shaker books. And I told her I didn't mm-hmm. want to be a Shaker writer, but she said, well, if you'll write, a, <laughs> write some more Shaker books, that will help you gain readers and, and that will help you uh, get readers for the books, the other books you write that I like to write about families and and different historical. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed writing about the Shakers too. And but uh, they were a celibate people. So when you're writing a mm. uh, historical romance about Shakers, you have to be very innovative and find out a way to sneak romance <laughs> into the back door. I guess so. So you're right. It is kind of a, a delicate balance when you're dealing with um, editors and agents and uh, the whole publishing world, you have to kind of please everybody, I guess. But it seems like you writing that book that you wanted to write is what led to a solid career for you in the long run. I think that's right. Uh, And I think every book I've written since then, it's been more or less one I wanted to write. Uh, I just had to be convinced mm-hmm. I wanted to write those Shaker books sometimes. And I would say each time, I'm not going to write another one. And then I'd come up with a new idea and uh, write another <laughs> Shaker book. So uh, th- those have been fun fun books to write. Uh, my last one that I wrote about the Shakers was called The Refuge. And in it, uh, I get to explore the sister feeling between some of the Shaker sisters. And I enjoyed being able to do that. But I really enjoyed the, uh, I also wrote some Rosie Corner books about uh, actually the Depression era, too, because my mom grew up in a small community during the Depression time. And I used her her background and history as a setting for those Rosie Corner books, which was a lot of fun because I was able to uh, really feel close to her and and all the stories she and my aunts had told about growing up in that little town with all the odd characters that mm. all little towns have. So Angel Sister was right. is a special book for me, too. Uh, some people ask me which one's my favorite book, and it's hard to pick a favorite book. But Angel Sister comes close just because of 
my mom's memories being threaded through the background of it. Right, right. I can understand that. What are you working on now? Can you tell us about it? I actually, along the story trail comes out or its release date is June 1st. Well, actually, my uh, deadline for my new book <laughs> is June the 1st. So it's been an interesting month. Oh, my goodness. Since I don't quite have that book finished. <laughs> But I'm working on a book that's a little different for me. It's it's also a more of a family book, more of a character book. Uh, it features a uh, man who was had was badly scarred in a fire when he was a young man, and has sort of lived a reclusive life since then. His uh, we're planning to get married, but his fiance disappears at the same time as the fire and nobody knows exactly where she is or or why she left and then i have uh, young characters too mm-hmm. that were in an orphanage uh that are his nieces uh he has never really known them but their mother has tuberculosis she's in it was in a sanatorium and he takes both all of them home to his farm and they help open his heart to love again and it's it's a hopefully a story that people will will embrace. I'm calling it "When the Meadow Blooms," but I don't. That's just a working title, and it may not last. But I sort of like the title because that was when he and his uh, fiance Annalise were planning to marry. Was when the meadow blooms. So we'll see whether that that title sticks or not. But. First, I got to get it finished, right? Yes, yes, that sounds beautiful. It sounds like a a really interesting and like a haunting story. My next question is a question I ask every guest I have on the show. How do you think learning about history through story helps us approach life in the present? Well, I think sometimes people don't know about history. Um, they say there's nothing new under the sun, and sometimes when you're uh, looking back through history, you can see that that's sort of true. You know, we hope that we can uh, look at history and not make the same mistakes again, but I'm not sure that that has always been true, because if it was, you would think there wouldn't be, would have never been but one war in the world. Um but mm. I think that it's helpful to uh, look back and see where we come from, how we've maybe advanced. I mean, there's been so much change. Think about the difference between when our country was uh, established, all the uh, wilderness that was still there, the pioneer days. Uh, but the most thing I think about is you, you see the strong characters, and when you look back through history, you see those char- those real people and, and the difference that they could make in their world and how they weren't didn't let challenges uh, stop them. They, they embraced the challenge. And so I, that's what I sort of think I find out if when I read history or, or try to include it in my uh, books. And of course, mm-hmm. in my books, I also have, have uh, references to scripture sometimes and to Bible stories. And uh, it's just, it just is a, a partnership of a reader and writer that that you can maybe bring that history back to life and learn some lessons from it. Yes, yes, I love that. 
So this has been a wonderful conversation, Anne. What's the best way for listeners to follow you? Well, I have a website, uh, com. On that uh, website, you can follow my blogs. People can sign up for my newsletter on my website, and uh, I send them out maybe six a year. So that's always fun to hear from readers that respond to my newsletter. And I always have a giveaway of some kind when I send out a, a newsletter. So that's that's fun for the people that respond. Uh, also, I'm on Facebook. I have a Facebook page. Uh, I do some uh, unique things on my Facebook page. I have uh, certain things that I do on certain days. Like on Wednesday, I always have a Shaker Wednesday, and I put a little uh, fact about the Shakers, some some bit of the Shaker history mm-hmm. on there, uh, pictures that I've taken at the Shaker Village near where I live, Pleasant Hill. Wow. It's a history museum now. There aren't any, there is only one active Shaker Village, and that's in Sabbath Day Lake, Maine. And I don't think they have but two Shakers, but they have a big friends mm. uh, organization that keeps them uh, able to go. But the ones here in Kentucky are both like museum, living art, living history museums that can be visited. Right. Then on Friday, I have Friday Smiles, and uh, Sunday, I take a, a morning walk with my two dogs. And for some reason, people enjoy going along with me on that virtual morning walk and just seeing what I see, hearing the birds sing or whatever. So, uh, I have a lot of people that oh, enjoy doing that on my Facebook page. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can find me with my name, Anne H. Gabhart. I don't uh, tweet a lot, but I tweet every once in a while. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Anne. Thank you for being with us today. Well, it's been wonderful to talk to you, and thank you for having me over, Allison. Well, friends, obviously, we had that conversation before the book release, but now the book is out. So make sure you visit the show notes to use the links to go buy the book along a storied trail. Also, if you listen to my podcast much, you know that I really um, appreciate those who've left reviews. And I ask you every episode, please leave a review if you haven't. Please leave a rating if you haven't already. Please subscribe to the podcast. And I so appreciate you guys when you do that. Um, I have a new opportunity for you guys to support the show. You know, you have your free ways to support the show by subscribing and leaving a rating and review. And then now we have a Patreon page. In case you haven't heard of it, Patreon is a way that you can support artists and creators. And since I'm creating podcasts and attempting to write books at the same time, I decided finally to put out this opportunity for those of you who are enjoying the show and who would not mind contributing. There are a couple different tiers and with most of the tiers, you get some benefits that you don't get just by listening to the show. So one of those is that I will, at after a certain level of support, I will provide in on the Patreon page, a monthly video book review. And so some of these will be books that we've talked to the author on the podcast, and some of them will not be. But it's an opportunity to hear more about what I think of the book. Um, As you know, I don't read all the books, 
that we discuss on the podcast. But when I do read books for the podcast, I will make sure to include them in that monthly video. And then um, there's also a tier that includes a monthly one hour live chat group chat with me and you can ask questions. You can ask about any book and you can ask what I actually thought of the book. You know, even if I only got to read the first chapter. So I hope that those are some benefits that you will enjoy. And I hope you will go check out the Patreon page and see if it's something that you are interested in. It can be found at www.patreon.com slash Allison Treat. So that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash A-L-I-S-O-N-T-R-E-A-T. As usual, my friends, I would like to leave you with a quote. John Dahlberg Acton said, history is not a burden on the memory, but an illumination of the soul. So keep reading historical fiction, my friends, and I will talk to you again next week when I'll be sharing my conversation with Carrie Taransky. 